0: This is Neon Radio, episode 165 with Christian Minson. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. What is up, party people, my fellow Neonites? Nick Onkin, your host here. I'm excited about today's episode. Today's guest is the director of the Breathwork program down at Rhythmia. His name is Christian Minson. And if you want to listen to my previous episode, episode 164, uh, talk about my journey with Breathwork and how it's helped me integrate into different things and a really, really healing process. But Rhythmia has a big breathwork program. They're big on breathwork because it's part of the integration of plant medicine. It's a super healing process, and Christian is the director of it. So in this conversation, we talk a lot about what's happening while you're doing the breathwork, some of the benefits. Christian's story of how he used to be a monk and moved into becoming the director of breathwork over at Rhythmia many different things, but all so many benefits, uh, how you can access creativity, how breath work actually helps you elevate your creativity, access flow states and different things like that. It's really amazing. If you want to learn more about Rhythmia, there's a few other episodes previous to this that I did. Episode Let's see, episode 161 was my journey with plant medicine, my first experience down at Rhythmia. So that's my kind of firsthand experience, so you can talk about that. Episode 162, it was the founder of Rhythmia. His name is Gerard Powell, amazing dude. We talk a lot about the spiritual side, about it, how he founded Rhythmia, how his life did a complete 180 and a complete change after doing plant medicine. And then episode 163 is with Dr. Jeff McNary, who is the chief medical officer down at rhythmia they have a full medical staff down there so it's a really great place to do plant medicine I talked to dr jeff around he's a psychiatrist and we talked a lot about what plant medicine is doing in your brain and how it's healing you and how it uh, how it works so if you want to jump back if you haven't listened to those episodes it might be very helpful and then we'll talk about we talk with christian today about breathwork and how breathwork is such a huge integration piece So many people had a lot of breakthroughs, a lot of healings just with the breath work. And it's a really, really healing process. So, with that, let's jump in. I give to you Mr. Christian Vincent. What is up everyone? Today we got Christian Minson, the director of Breathwork over at Rhythmia. We were here down here experiencing some amazing stuff this week. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Breathwork's been a big part of my life for the last year. It's cool to learn more from you. And what Tell me, tell us a little bit about your credentials and what you where you've studied and all that kind of stuff.
1: Sure, well, as far as breathwork goes, I've been a breathwork facilitator for the last 12 years. I'm a senior trainer with the Transformational Breath Foundation. Uh, I've, I've traveled all over the world giving seminars and seeing people privately, yeah. um, giving them this breathwork technique for healing of physical ailments, for emotional balancing and catharsis, for, for spiritual connection and greater creativity and um, connection to their intuition. So. Prior to that, I was a monk for 10 years of my life. Oh, my God. And I usually mention that in the context of breath work because really the, the meditation techniques that we practice were really modified breathing techniques, they, ways of manipulating the breath to send the energy up and down the spine so that we could let go of body consciousness and attain higher states of awareness. Wow. So all in all, I've had 22-plus years of experience working with the breath in some way, shape, or form. And then I've been just under two years that I've been here at Rhythmia now as the director of the breathwork program and been very happy here at this program because it's the one place I know in the entire world other than, you know, the breathwork seminars that we specifically set up to take people through a breathwork process. The only place, retreat, facility or otherwise that holds breathwork in such high esteem that it's... It's at the top of the list yeah. as far as the offerings that you know. Basically, plant medicine and breath were the the mandate to to bring rhythmia into existence.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, it's it's cool to see that you guys are doing breath work here and how that's really been such a piece of the integration. Uh, and I want to talk more about that, but in, let's let's jump back. I mean, how did you become a monk? That like <laughs> what what prodigy and where where did you do it?
1: Well, probably like a lot of your listeners, I never felt like I ever fit in, really. And part of that was that I always sort of saw behind the curtain, you know, like the Wizard of Oz. You saw the guy with the, you know, the little guy with all the big controls to make the the grand illusion happen. And I, I saw that with with, with the way you know the American economy was run and politics and and this and and even when I really didn't know anything about it as a little kid, I just felt like. There was something that wasn't being, being told to us. And interestingly enough, because it, it sort of comes full circle to being here at Rhythmia, my first what I call God experience, where, where I experienced the, the presence, a, a divine presence communicating to me, was with psychedelic medicine. And that mm-hmm. was in my uh, last year in high school, just getting into college, where I had the experience on, on psychedelic medicine of looking into the sky, and there's a clear blue sky, not a cloud in the sky, and I just felt this communication happening. There were no words, there was no like message. It was just like this understanding that God, if you will, and I were were in communion. And, yeah. and from there, that that really kick-started my uh, desire to, to seek deeper into what, you know, what the true meaning of life was and the true purpose of, of my life in particular. And and through that seeking, I, I basically came upon a book called Autobiography of a Yogi from a spiritual master called Paramahansa Yogananda. Yeah. And he basically laid it out. said the purpose of life is is our own self-realization, our own evolution towards embracing our own divinity and realizing that in yeah. body, mind, and soul. And the way to do that, his primary way was through meditation. Mm. So that led me deeper and deeper into his teachings and found that there was a monastic order in this Eastern philosophy. And it was really just, as a monk, the the lifestyle really let go of all of the distractions. You know? Bill paying, um, you know, having to, you know, all the things that we had to do in everyday life, so that you could focus on the those activities that really promoted this connection to, yeah. to the divine. And so that was a really powerful experience that I was was fortunate to have for ten years.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Where where did you? I nice study. Is that? <laughs> uh, do you study to become a monk or where practice? I, yeah. Where I
1: monk out was um, <laughs> in Los Angeles, actually. Oh so, no way! Yeah, pretty pretty interesting. That's where the headquarters of the Self Realization Fellowship actually is, Yogananda's organization. Where I was a monk, so even though it was an Eastern order, Eastern philosophy and, and such, it, he started the the organization in America, and oh, wow. and Los Angeles is where he set up home base and headquarters oh wow so
0: did you live there and and... yeah
1: we lived a place called mount washington is the top of uh, a hill and uh, at the top of the hill there was this used to it was originally built as a hotel i don't know how many acres was was on but there was you know a monk's ashram or monastery on one side and the the nuns Ashram Monastery on the other, and in the middle of the administration buildings and what was the the original hotel. Yeah. And uh, so we stayed separated, but there on that property. And what was nice was because it was on a hill, you look out and you could see the, uh, on a clear day, which wasn't that common in Los Angeles, but (laughs) on a clear day, you could see all the way out to the Pacific Ocean, Santa Monica and the Pacific Ocean, which was about 30 mile, a 30 mile uh, view. Yeah. So we sat on this hilltop and you could just feel the sea of concrete humanity below us yeah. and, and the, so you were definitely in the city. I mean, it was literally seven minutes from downtown Los Angeles, but you felt sort of removed and uh in, in this, if you will, castle above it all. Oh, wow,
0: that's <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Well, and what, kind, what prodded you to move, to leave, to move on?
1: Well, you know, the one lesson that I learned from the whole experience, I mean, one of many lessons I learned, but was that there's no one reason that we do anything in life. And so when I first went in, I was a little concerned. Was I running away from something or was I running towards something? And mm. I prayed a lot during that period and, you know, with, with the uh, appeal that if I was truly running away from something, that I wouldn't get in. There would be some kind of block to my yeah. entering the order. But long story short I got in so I believed that it must have been the noble reasons that uh, <laughs> that prevailed and and were the reasons that I was really going but you know ten years later it, through all my uh, efforts I'd really uh, essentially realized most of those noble reasons I understood what it meant to give my life completely to to a higher endeavor literally letting go of possessions letting go of direction allowing myself to be to be guided essentially by the hand of God. I learned what it meant to live a spiritual life day in and day out and and understood that that lifestyle wasn't wasn't the product of any particular location, but you could live that lifestyle anywhere. And then around that 10-year period, the other reasons started to, to emerge. And so this is where I realized that I did have noble reasons for going in, but I also did have what I call chicken reasons for going in, things I was running away from. Basically, Mm -hmm. you know, not integrating with society, not getting a job, not really wanting to engage (laughs) in relationships, which were just pitiful for me, you know, prior to to that time. And so it, it really came to me that for the next step of my own personal evolution, it was necessary to face these things. And as I pondered and deeper, all these things really had to do with life outside of the, the walls of the, the ashram or the monastery. Yeah. And so I made an intuitive decision, which we'll get into breathwork and intuition. That Breathwork actually helped me in that process, and that's sort of how I got into breathwork. That experience, when you're trying to make this kind of decision, it's kind of like trying to make the decision whether you could get divorced or not. You've made right. this commitment to spend your life together. There's a lot of good things about the relationship, and yet there's something pulling you away from it. And I had to feel into that really deeply. And there's, a, you know, if anybody's been through through that kind of experience, you know, there's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of anxiety, a lot of just questioning of am I doing the right thing or what is the right thing? Yeah. And breathwork came along. Well, that's to say that I was so sort of in emotional turmoil that even my meditations were weren't very effective at that time. I'd sit right. down and I'd just be spinning out. So I, I was introduced to breathwork by a friend, and he he said, "You got to try this out. I think you really like it." And immediately it started helping me get in touch with my emotional nature, mm. and you know help me recognize my emotions, help me actually start to express my emotions, and most importantly, help me. Integrate that emotional energy, meaning to really purge myself of the the old stagnant emotional energy, right. and, and leave me open to start uh, cultivating a new, a new relationship to my emotions. Yeah. And through that, I got in touch with my intuitive faculties that that were really that gave me a clear direction on whether to stay or go. And obviously, it was to go. And I took a deep breath and I took that leap and I've never looked back since. And even though, you know, people often ask me, what, do you ever wish you were a monk again? And the only thing I really wish is, is for that simplicity, like, that, you know, it was a very tranquil and sim- simple life. Yeah. But other than that, I, I've, you know, I've been on my path, what we might call your dharma, your, your ideal path of, uh, you know, for your own enlightenment and for the betterment of the world. And when you're on that path, it, you feel in tune, and you feel in sync, yeah. and, and even if life is rough, which it's been rough, you know, <laughs> the easier path was definitely to stay in the, yeah. the ashram. But I've met those challenges, and you know, a lot of those challenges have been the things that I came out to face. And, yeah. and that's where my evolution edge has been. So you're always, you know, on that edge of evolution, you're always in a little bit of fear because you're always on the edge, <laughs> yeah. but you're always in also in excitement because you're that's where you're growing, that's where you're evolving. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah. When you push yourself out of your comfort zone, and even if it's just slightly bit every day, mm-hmm. that's like the, where the growth happens. Now, how did you you when did you decide to actually like make this you know a career or like a path like an actual career path?
1: Well, you know, part of that was in in the things that I needed to face like like making my own way in the world. I come from a family military family mm-hmm. and so life was very 9 to 5 and and very regimented and and compartmentalized and all that and I just knew that that wasn't what I wanted and this may, you know, speak to your audience uh, as well, you know, that whole entrepreneurial spirit, you know, I wanted to make my own way. I didn't want to follow other people's rules. And so all of that was you know, gestating inside me before I even left. And that was part of the fuel that that caused me to leave the, the monastic order.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, when I did, I was like, all right, now what do I do? <laughs> you know, I like, I'm out the gates and I don't have a job. I don't have a place to live. I don't have, you know, anything. And the trainings for this breath work were happening literally, you know, that week that I left. Oh, wow. And so I immediately ro- enrolled in, in it and learned the facilitation skills, and you know got on the fast track to becoming a trainer and all that and it just it was you know it was partly by divine guidance and partly just the right timing that, that this thing had helped me so much that i I wanted to give back in that same way, yeah and the breath really had a great it was a great bridge between what I had been doing. Heavy duty spiritual seeking and, and diving into my nature in the ashram, but primarily through meditation and through a, a religious, essentially, context.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the breath helped get me to the same kind of states that meditation would. And I felt like it was much more accessible to people who weren't necessarily religiously oriented right? That, right that knew there was a spirit inside them that knew there was something greater about them and their 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 own nature but but didn't want to get involved in dogma or you know thou shalt and thou shalt nots and all this kind of stuff and so the breath was really a way to start to Draw those people in, and yeah. that became you know that that became my mission to assist those people who yeah. y- you know were at that level. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So what types of so what? Guess what's kind of the overview of breathwork because I know there's different types. Like, what did you study, and, and what's the difference between the different modalities?
1: Yeah, well, there's yeah. When we talk breathwork, people have all sorts of different ideas. I mean, of course, probably the most common thing people know as breathwork work is, is yoga. In yoga, they've got what's called pranayama, and these are these are essentially techniques of controlling the breath for controlling the mind, controlling the body, mm-hmm. which is part of what yoga is all about. In fact, when I was a monk, I was in a yogic order, meaning the the larger esoteric, what we call philosophy of yoga, which isn't just the postural classes that we see here yeah. in, the, in the West today. That's just a small part of it, but as a, a big, philosophical things. So, so breathwork was part of that in the form of pranayama, but those were very much controlled breathing practices. You got breathwork in practices like qigong, and you've got, and these are more like ancient practices that have, come forth. What I was teaching really is what I would call comes from a modern wave of breathwork starting in about the, the 1970s, from what I've been able to discern in my own digging into the past and meeting a guy named Leonard Orr who started what's called rebirthing. Rebirthing, mm-hmm. he started in the 1970s. And from there, another popular style called holotropic breath emerged, uh, led by a man named Stanislav Groff, mm-hmm. And then transformational breath, which is the school that I studied in, led by a woman named Judith Kravitz. Those were what I call the big three in this modern-day wave of, of breath work, which was more with an edge of emotional catharsis. Like mm. that, that It seemed like no matter what the style, the, the results were, were regular, that people would purge old emotional energy, get over trauma and things that they've been holding on to, that, wow. that have been holding you back, open up their creativity, open up their intuitive insight, and create a deeper connection to themselves and so so yeah. that's the you know the style that I teach it, it comes from the transformational breath school and f- in this modern day yeah. breath style
0: so what would be the I, difference between say that transformational breath and holotropic breath work or
1: basically the the technique you know how the technique is is described and then how you know what the facilitators actually do oh, interesting you know? so So, transformational breath is probably the most hands-on where the facilitators actually will work with you to enhance your breathing. That's also the one that I feel like has the best breathing technique, what I call a full, free-flowing breath pattern Mm -hmm. that not only does what any of those techniques will do in session, which is bring up emotions and bring out a catharsis and all that, but the unique edge that it has over the others in my personal opinion is that it it models a breath pattern that you can use in every breath you take, mm-hmm. no matter whether you're just breathing in it, you know, in your daily life, eating breakfast, at work, exercising, or doing these therapeutic sessions of breath work. Yeah. You you can use the the full free flowing breath pattern to your advantage and actually start to habituate yourself to to a pattern of breathing that will make you feel better and feel more in touch and in tune, rather than having to go all the time to what I call a therapeutic session of one of these types of techniques. Offload all your garbage and get get some insight and then go back into your life, get beat up again, have to come back to a therapeutic session. You can actually start to learn to breathe with every breath in a transformational way Mm. so that you know, every breath is giving you a, just a little bit of transformation, and your 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 baseline of life then is at a much higher level of of consciousness and awareness yeah. than than you might normally be otherwise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's been such a huge thing around that since just the last few days of being here. Even like through the ceremonies, I've been I've kind of felt myself breathing similar to like the. The class, the workshop. Or mm-hmm. the, the... Yeah, great. So it's been amazing. Now, I guess what's the kind of the science or neuroscience behind what the breath work is actually doing like health benefit wise, but also in your in your brain?
1: Uh, there's still a lot to be discovered about what breath is doing. But one of the things that once again ties in with rhythmia and plant medicine and all is that DMT, which is an active chemical that our body produces is the chemical that is found in plant medicine and what stimulates the awakenings, the the, the dreamlike state of visions and, and a consciousness expansion and all that. Well, breath work by by breathing in an accelerated rhythmic fashion has been shown to release. DMT into the system in mm. in in greater quantities than, you know, if you're just breathing regularly. So there is this you know similarity to the effects of plant medicine and such where you you get these realizations or deeper insights or or intuitive hits where it's like, "Oh, problems you've been struggling with for Often years even, all of a sudden a solution becomes apparent mm. or you're you're contemplating two directions in life like I was. Do I stay or do I go in the monastic order? And through the breathwork, it magnetizes your your consciousness to one of those paths. And oftentimes that path wouldn't be the one that you intellectually choose. Yeah writing out your pros and cons list and listening to everybody's arguments about what's best. Yeah. But what comes from within, from your soul, from your heart, it seems to be activated through through this process, and then that choice becomes apparent, with not only in your mind, but viscerally in your body.
0: Yeah. Wow, I love that. I love <laughs> that. So let's talk about how, how breathwork can catalyze and help creativity or creative mm-hmm. flow.
1: Well, so partly to to explain this, to get a little bit into philosophy, that what we're doing when we're breathing is we're bringing in oxygen in more abundance than we normally breathe. And oxygen is a catalytic element, you know? Like when you're, for instance, a fire can't happen without oxygen. You have fuel and you have a flame, but unless there's oxygen present, there won't be combustion. So oxygen is this thing that, that creates a new energetic experience. So as we're bringing in the abundant amounts of oxygen, what's, what's really behind the oxygen is what's known as prana. And prana is just a Sanskrit term for life force energy. So mm-hmm. at an energetic level, you know, what we run on, our body, minds, and souls run on is prana. The food we eat, what we distill is ultimately prana. The liquids we drink, we ultimately distill prana in mm. order to, to keep ourselves alive. As monks, we were working on meditation as a way to directly access that prana and, and be able to energize your body just by pure direct connection. Yeah. Now that, that's a lifelong endeavor, and so most of us aren't, aren't patient enough to, to do that. <laughs> and so breath, oxygen, just happens to be the element that carries prana in abundance the most abundance and it seems to be the easiest to distill so as we're as we're breathing this life force energy is the energy of creation meaning it is the energy that stimulates the creative impulse Mm. of nature itself so you know it's prana which makes flowers grow and continue to evolve it's it's prana that, that makes animals continue to, you know, that whole survival of the fittest thing. Things are evolving to meet the demands of the environment. And within us, because this is the energy of creation itself, it stimulates our own creative nature. So as we're, as we're bringing this, this oxygen and, and prana into our physical space, it, it starts to activate the the creative agent in our brain oh, wow. and we start getting creative insights. So, you know, I'm a musician. So oftentimes there will be like, you know, a musical impulse for me. Um, you know, if you're an artist or a writer, a lot yeah. of times, a lot of people get like deep insights and, and start, you know, writing those out for business people or people that just need creative solutions in their life. Once again, it, it it tweaks your brain so that your these, these this creative energy is is there in abundance. So you've got more more to work with. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So do you how does do you do just basic breath to like, if you're like trying to catalyze your own get in your own creative space? How do you how do you utilize breath? Do you use it in more of like a, a transformational session, or do you or do you have any techniques there you that you can just do at home?
1: Yeah, well, for a the, brief
0: couple minutes or yeah, whatever. Yeah,
1: good question. The, the, the technique is pretty much the same whether you use it for five minutes, 15 minutes, or what I call our therapeutic session. It usually lasts about an hour. Mm-hmm. And for just general creativity, you can sit and breathe you know, in this full, free-flowing manner for five minutes, 10 minutes, and it can stimulate the, you know, the, the, the creative agent in your brain and then you can set out to yeah. do whatever you want. Of course, if you got the time and you want to go through a deeper, you know, like hour-long session or, or something like that, that that's always ideal because yeah. the the longer you do it, it tends to go deeper, yeah. you know, up to a point. Like I'd say, this is another difference between, say, um, holotropic breath and, and the transformational breath is. We, only, we found that through, through this process, through intelligent breathing and through the facilitator helping through various manipulations, we only need to breathe for about an hour to get like the, the big realizations or catharsis. Mm. With the holotropic breath, they'll often breathe for two hours, three hours. I've heard, I've heard of sessions going for even as long as eight hours. Oh my God. I've never experienced one of those, but you know, that's... I say if you got the time, great, but very few of us have barely few of us have even an hour to to set aside for this breath. And that's sometimes why you know so many people say, Oh, I'll try it later, or something like yeah. that. So it's important that we have enough time to get those those profound effects, but you know, I'm always about efficiency and if we can <laughs> if we could do what what some people could do in four hours, in one hour, you know, why not? Right? Um, yeah. But those those shorter sessions don't necessarily go as deep. But as you connect in those deep ways, they will re-stimulate that that connection. So you don't have to spend as long breathing to to reignite you know that creative energy that we're yeah. talking about. Yeah,
0: wow, I love that. Love that. So is this something that people is you know? Do you there are there a lot of places that like you could go to like go to a therapeutic session? Or is it how widely known or widely spaced out is it?
1: Yeah, well of course Rhythmia is the premier place to come to experience this. Yeah, and of uh, and it's it's great because it's so well integrated into the program. We do breath work first to, to really introduce you to how consciousness can really open up while you still have the ability to stay in your own right mind, so to speak. And then, then that leads into plant medicine for the next four nights where where you are subject to the medicine's whim <laughs> and, <laughs> until it wears off, but you know can experience the same transcendental states and such and, and awakenings. And then we wrap up with breathwork at the end of the week because the breathwork then really, <clears throat> what's great about that is after having all those realizations on plant medicine, you go back to breathwork and... Most of the people have the same type of realizations, yeah. again, in the breathwork. And it really hits home that as much as the plant helps open you up, you have it all within you already. And a simple understanding of how to breathe properly will will stimulate that energy within you. And you could take that home with you. And if anywhere that you can breathe, you can you know, do breath work, yeah. and and that's just about everywhere. You know, because if you're not breathing, then you're probably not living. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. How did how did breath work become a part of the program? I mean, because you know Jerry's story was more about the plant medicine. How did you connect with with Jerry and and integrate that?
1: Yeah, well, the 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 breath was du- a direct download from Jerry's. I mean, if, if people learn about Jerry's story through an interview with him and all that, yeah. you know, they'll find out that, that Rhythmia was built on his plant medicine journeys, that he had journeys that directed him to buy this place, told him how much to pay for it, told him you know, what to include in the programs and all that. And in those journeys, he got the d- direct mandate to offer plant medicine and breath. And at the time, he didn't even know what breath meant. He just thought, well, we, we breathe. I mean, he was very familiar with the plant medicine <laughs> by that point, but he said, we breathe, we must have to breathe during the plant medicine ceremonies. And then, interestingly, and this plays into how I actually got here, a friend of mine, actually a client of mine, 10 years prior, a guy who was a, a breathwork client of mine, came to Rhythmia you know, 10 years later. Yeah. He was an artist to purvey his artwork. And he got some of his artwork here in Rhythmia. And at the time... You know, Jerry mentioned that, you know, it's plant medicine and breath, and, and he said, you gotta try this technique of breath workout. Now, now, this guy had been a client of mine 10 years ago, and then about four years ago, he decided to, to go through the trainings to be a breathwork facilitator. And he did that on the side, but he was primarily an artist, right? Yeah. But he was like, hey, you know, breath, you might wanna try out this technique. And he gave Jerry these, uh, a few sessions in this transformational breath, And Jerry's, the light bulb went off in his head. This is it. This is what the plant medicine meant by breath, offering plant medicine and breath work, basically. And uh, he stated himself that he got more visions on the breath work than he even did on the the plant medicine. So that's saying something, since he's had a few visions on the plant medicine. (laughs) Yeah. So that, you know, that got this technique started. And then, so we have, uh, you know, our, our, transformation breath family has, we have a small clan of, of people who, who are into it. And one of those clans was already here in Costa Rica and, and started as the, after, after this guy left, they started as the longer term breath facilitator here for about six months before she got in an unfortunate uh, motor scooter accident and tore up her knee. It was okay, but it, it took um, many weeks of recovery and she flew back to the U.S. And they needed a substitute. And so through the, through the grapevine, I was called on and I came down and I, I subbed sub for just under a month. And during that time, Jerry got to know how I work and, and yeah. was, was pretty impressed. And at the end, he said, do you want a job? And I said, like, <laughs> let me think about it. Yes, I'll take it. I'll take it. And it, it took a number of months to... To work out the details and then get here. But November two thousand seventeen, I showed up November eighth, and uh, I've been here ever since.
0: Wow, uh, that's amazing. So you love Costa Rica?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a tropical <laughs> paradise. You know, to tell you the truth, I don't see a whole lot of Costa Rica. <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty much here um, most of the time, and. Though this is, this is my version of Costa Rica. You know, people yeah. coming to to beautiful, lush, tropical environment, living healthy, um, feeling free, going through these plant medicine ceremonies where massive transformation is happening week after week in this place. And that is just, it's such a thrill for somebody who's been involved in transformational modalities for, like I said, the last 20-plus years. Yes. I've never seen a place that churned out so much so many miracles as you know we yeah. we um pretty much measure yeah the success of this place by if people report whether they got a miracle or not. Yeah. And uh what they define as a miracle, you know, there, there's you know we have certain ideas about that, but you know, people know inside themselves whether whether their miracle was gotten or not. And yeah. The miracle rate right now since inception has been about 95%. And like I said, in 20 years of, of transformational work, I don't know any place that, that has such a high rate of success and is moving so many people through, through week after week. I mean, I used to see 8 to 10 people a week in my own practice, and now we're seeing 60 to 80 people a week on a regular basis here. Yeah,
0: yeah it seems like packed every week
1: every week yeah well it's becoming more and more popular so you know for people interested I recommend getting getting in sooner than later or, or you'll pretty much get put on a waiting list uh, if, you, <laughs> if you wait too long
0: yeah so. that's crazy I mean it took us a few weeks, a couple months to like lock in a date that that worked and and all that stuff but yeah it's pretty amazing and and what's interesting is the the data collection in terms of you know all the data that you guys are collecting while people are here and like what, you know, what determines the miracle or what, I mean, what determines Mm -hmm. the the rate of of the miracle?
1: Well, that's Jerry in his, in his businessman's hat. Like, I mean, he is a successful, ultra successful businessman. And so Rhythmia was, was a big leap for him in some ways, because it is like doing things like out of the ordinary, not based, at first, you know, not based on hard facts and science, but based on what the medicine was telling him to go do. And he's like, you know, this is way outside my comfort zone as far as, you know, how I would run a business. But now that, it, you know, now Rhythmia is running, he uses his business acumen to to collect data on every every aspect of how this, this program is running. And it's such a fascinating thing to watch because it's really where the, the merging of spirituality and essentially hard science it, you know yeah. comes together because you see trends the data reveals trends and and so it's like we know if people follow the program that we've we put out they're 95% guaranteed to to get what they came for if they miss even one plant ceremony or one breathwork ceremony you know there's like I don't want to go or I you know whatever reason that success rate for those people, reduces by something like thirty percent. Wow! Like you know, and so it's, it's like by doing this, see that he's really building a program designed to give you as close to hundred percent result as you you can. And of course, if somebody's going to lay down the kind of money to get here that you need to, and it's yeah. you know it's not cheap, but it's probably the the, the cheapest investment in your life and you know life value you could ever make but you know to put down that money and you know to think well 50% maybe I'll get it maybe I won't but you know it's like uh, I'm not sure I want to put down that money but you hear 95% yeah. there's you know a a, a good chance you're going to say yeah I'll yeah, take my chances on that cuz <laughs> it's almost guaranteed
0: yeah well it's interesting cuz the just the, even the classes, the integration and like just the, you know, during the week help facilitate that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And this is what, you know, one of the things medicine is becoming more and more popular out there in the world. And, you know, the medicine comes from an ancient tradition. It's very much the indigenous population of the South and Central Americas that have been using this plant medicine for millennia to to evolve their lives and and to, to bring balance and order. That so that being said, there there's all sorts of you know, what we call traditional ways to do this, which usually involves trekking out into the jungle for, for days on end, you know, sitting on a banana leaf, taking medicine out in the in the middle of the jungle with mosquitoes and tarantulas and snakes and you know what have <laughs> you, and and being with a shaman that doesn't even speak English, doesn't even speak Spanish, they speak some some native dialect or language yeah. and and so you know there's a lot of uncertainties to all that. Rhythm has come along as a place that really bridges that old tradition with with Western um, mentality, basically you know we accommodation. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and the accommodation that we 're used to in the West exactly, so you come here you know we 're probably the safest place in the world you could do plant medicine because we we have. medical staff. We have psychologists on staff at all times. We have constant, you know, all the staff is there to give soft coaching and counseling for people to reflect their experiences and get clarity on on what just happened. None of that happens if you're out in the jungle. I mean, if you get hurt out in the jungle, you you know, you gotta trek back in, back to civilization again to to get help. And then of course there's the whole comfort level. most Westerners aren't aren't used to you know roughing it and 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 sleeping on banana peels and stuff like and banana leaves. Um, we have uh, what we call our VIP mattress, like you know a, a twin bed for every person that's there with a, a pillow and a blanket and you know a bucket and, and toilet paper and everything, that's everything. <laughs> Uh, nothing like puking in a rhythmia bucket. So the comfort level is there, and then so we've got the safety, the comfort, and ultimately the support, where the the staff is just there, ready to to cater to everybody's needs, and you know to to not coddle people, you know to help them get out of their own old self deprecating habits, but but to be there in support when when people have have just been faced with something you know about their nature that shakes them up a little bit and help them reframe that and help them stay on track so that they really can get the most out of this and all that contributes to you know that 95 percent miracle rate yeah. which essentially means a 95 percent satisfaction rate yeah absolutely so
0: what's what's been the biggest thing that you've learned uh, over the last couple of years of facilitating breath work here
1: What I've learned here is really how to, how to work with large groups of people. I mean, before I came here, the largest group I worked with was probably 25 people. Now that I've worked here, I mean, we regularly breathe groups of 80 at Rhythmia, and that has, through Rhythmia, uh, I met a thought leader, wonderful thought leader, Greg Braden, and he does inspirational programs over the world, and he he came here as, as a guest speaker and completely fell in love with the breath work and wanted to offer it at his events. So he's had me come out uh, three times now to his, his events where the first time we breathed 160 people in, in his group. Second time it was, a, it was a smaller venue and a smaller thing. We, we breathed 70 people. And then this last one that just happened in March, 265 people so oh um and what was great was that that 265 people had had happened a year after the first round mm-hmm. and it went smoother than even the first year of 160 people just wow. because of of you know being here in Rhythmia, doing it week after week it requires a slightly different style of facilitation than if uh, you know, doing my one-on-one sessions with people or, or breathing a smaller group. But it's really caused me to become more efficient and get quickly into what are the most effective things I can do for a person in a short period of time, rather than sitting with them for, for a whole hour and exploring and poking and prodding them to, to see if I can help them get, yeah. you know, get into a better breathing pattern. Now I've, I've just discovered this thing, you know, these are what you do to get the majority of people into it quickly. And it's funny, when the majority of people get in sync, it carries along everybody. It's like like the 100th monkey effect, where all of a sudden if, if enough people are, are doing it right, it makes it, it seems like everybody sort of gets on board. Yeah. Whether, whereas before, what I find, you know, in my early days was... You're trying to to facilitate one one at a time, and you know, spending time with one person, and while a dozen others aren't quite getting it yet, which cause a, a little bit more chaotic energy in the room, and you know, all good in a sense, but you know, the more more manageable we can make it, just the yeah. more more we have the power to to send you deeper into your process, and that's yeah. really what you know what we want. To, to
0: do. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, what is for the people listening? what is what does a breath session look like? It, you know, to paint a picture.
1: Yeah, great. Well, typically you're going to go come lie on the floor. I ideally we use what's called backjacks, which are little floor chairs that you turn over on the side and you, you you put yourself at about a 45 degree angle. So you're you're propped up by pillows in that backjack and and either flat on the floor in this 45 degree angle. We, we start this process of accelerated breathing, which means breathing at a faster pace and breathing more abundantly oxygen with every breath we take. So in this style, we breathe through the mouth for the, the entirety of the session and we breathe at a faster pace. And we start getting what I've delineated as, as I mentioned earlier, a full, free, flowing breath pattern. Mm-hmm. Full meaning that we're taking that we 're learning to use maximize the use of our respiratory capacity. Yeah. most people breathe at about 20 percent of their capacity, wow. so <clears throat> we're learning to breathe 70, 80, 90 percent. then free, learning to breathe, relaxed, and then fluid or flow is to breathe in a circular fashion, meaning that we're, we're breathing connected breaths we're not pausing, and this this You know, the breath then is is happening at this accelerated, continuous pace. And it becomes like a little, you become like a free energy dynamo. All of a sudden, something clicks and the breath starts breathing on its own. And we call this the state of activation where the breath starts breathing you. And this is where the magic really starts to happen in the process. And so you're lying on the ground, you're breathing this. At times, we might engage in what's called toning, which really looks and sounds strange to anybody who never experienced breathwork or something, but it's to make sound. It's like to use the movement of your body and the vocalization of a tone to help release energy, which we usually do when energy starts to build with the breathwork. Then you want to release some of that to bring down the intensity by, ah, uh, you know, making this tone and, and like you know it looks like people all all these adults throwing little temper tantrums in their <laughs> space you know pounding on the floor and 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 making these tones but it's tremendously effective at reducing that the intensity of the uh, energy coming up so you can continue to, to breathe and that you do that for about an hour and the first 45 minutes is really accelerated the last 15 we open up say some invocations to open you into a receptivity mode feeling more, receiving whatever gifts, guidance, support, you know, you've been working towards manifesting during that first 45 minutes, and most people really feel a very cathartic, cosmic, expansive type of of feeling, tingling throughout their body, Um, emotionally, like I said, release of emotions and and feelings of, of bliss, waves of blissful feeling, sense of, Connectedness to themselves, the creativity getting stimulated, the intuition coming online, and and ultimately feeling your place in the cosmic scheme of the universe, which is a really cool sensation. That's amazing.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, uh, one last question I love to ask all my guests is what does the phrase live inspiration mean to you?
1: Live inspiration. To me, inspiration is a great word with breathwork because inspiration is actually the act of breathing in, mm-hmm. as well as you know, inspiration being inspired to, to have that, that creative juice flowing. So to live inspiration to me means to breathe as closely to this, this technique as we can in every, every breath we take, so that every breath essentially becomes a transformational experience, an inspired experience, as opposed, as we were saying earlier, to, to living life going in for a therapy session, getting inspired, going back out into life and playing that game. You could actually live inspiration by learning to breathe this way with every breath that you take.
0: That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for coming on and is there any uh way people can follow you or find you on the interwebs?
1: Yeah, well, my name is Christian Minson. I go by R Christian Minson. So you can find me on Facebook as R Christian Minson, you can find me on YouTube as R Christian Minson, Instagram as R Christian Minson. My website is breathflow.com, the flow of the breath, breathflow.com, so that's where you can find out more about what I do, and and me specifically. Of course, with Rhythmia, Rhythmia Rhythmia.com, and that's Rhythmia without an H, -H R-Y-T-H-M-I-A, not R-H-Y-H-T-M-A. So Rhythmia, of course, where you can find out all about what's going on with Rhythmia. And on Rhythmia's Facebook page, I do um, a Facebook Live every, Friday oh, cool. and you can tune into that to understand um, some of the wisdom that that's come to me through my years of being a monk and through my years of breath work and it's a great way to to get to know me get to know sort of the the vibe of Rhythmia and and to ask any questions that you might have as well so yeah
0: love that well Christian I acknowledge you for the gift that you're bringing to the world and uh, very special.
1: Well, thanks, and thanks for, for the time and opportunity to share with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming
1: on. Right on.
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Neon Radio with Christian Minson, the director of breath work over at Rhythmia. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could uh, leave a uh, five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts or, and or a review. I also would love it if you could share it out with the friends, with the homies. You can do that at neonradio.com slash EP165. It's I first two letters of my first and last name, Nick Onkin, neonradio.com slash ep165 that's also where the show notes are located if you want to check those out any links that we talked about anything in the episode in the interview hop on over there join uh, the Facebook community over at neonlife.com slash community and join the email list actually if you go to neonlife.com slash quiz take the quick 10 question quick survey we uh, will serve you up some free content to help you out with where you're at in your creative journey So, you know what time it is? It's time to go out, create your life by creating every small moment and we'll see you next time.